the Gospel of Luke chapter number 2. There is one question that I would like us to meditate on for a few moments, and the question is, how did you come to the Lord? That's the question. How did you come to the Lord? Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. They came with haste and found Mary, Joseph, the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying, which was told them concerning this child. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, again, this is a very, very important season on our calendar because it gives us an opportunity to celebrate the birth of our Savior. Lord, we celebrate it all the time, just as we do the resurrection. But this is a time, Lord, when the nation is able to think about our Savior. In the midst of all of the merchandising, the buying and shopping taking place, we pray, God, that you'd give us all conversations where we could glorify your Son, that through those conversations, maybe somebody would come to know the Lord. These things, Lord, we pray for in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We all understand the significance of Jesus' birth. There's no doubt about that. Were it not for his birth, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be Christians. We certainly wouldn't be worshipers of the Lord in a Christian way. But imagine, though, Joseph and his wife having to make that long journey to go and essentially to be involved with a, a poll tax or a head tax, and they make their way there, and there's no room for them to stay. Sure, every man's heart would be broken if he did not have adequate quarters for his family to dwell in. Of course, if he was of any power, any reputation, he'd have never had to worry about staying in an inn in the first place. Arrangements would have been made. But they made the long journey. His wife, great with child, as the scriptures say, obviously came to a point where she had to let him know this baby is coming, whether we want this baby to come right now or not. And somewhere in a manger, somewhere in the evening, our Savior was born. Now, God didn't leave them alone, even though they probably felt alone. Because sometimes if you're passing through a very difficult trial and if you don't have the funds or the resources that you desire, and sometimes if you have the funds and resources, but they're still not usable. 
You know, you can have a $100 bill, but if you're out in the desert, a $100 bill doesn't do you any good at all. But whatever the circumstances were, God was overseeing what was taking place. It's a very important point for us to learn as Christians that no matter how dark the night and how difficult the circumstances, don't ever feel like God has overlooked you, that he's not paying attention to you, that he sees every step that you're taking. He sees the, the difficult road that you may be on. He may see the doors. Surely he sees the doors that are closed in your face when people say to you, there's no room for you. But when other people close doors, God is able to open other doors. So a manger doesn't seem like a hospitable place, but nevertheless, that is where the Lord was. And according to verse 8, once the child arrived, then God went out of his way to send a messenger to some shepherds in a field. Now, the vocation of the shepherd is not one that was highly esteemed in the different nations. You remember when Jacob had to go to Egypt, his son Joseph was speaking with Pharaoh and explained to Pharaoh that his father was a shepherd. Scripture says that for the most part, shepherds were treated as though they were an abomination. Shepherds are used throughout Scripture in the lineage of Christ, but to everybody, shepherds weren't uh, people that were noteworthy. Nevertheless, here's who the angel came to. Shepherds sleeping in a field in the middle of the night who were carefully looking over their flock. And notice that the, the angel in verse 9, when he came, the glory of the Lord came with him, and immediately the people were afraid. They looked up and were stunned to open their eyes and see an angel of the Lord there. That's not something that happens every day. They had to understand this was something significant. They had no idea that they would be part of something so great in history that whenever we tell the story of the birth of Jesus Christ, we have to tell the story of the shepherds. That wherever Luke chapter 2 is read, we've got to talk about these shepherds. The shepherd said, don't be afraid. That was a natural consequence of being awakened from sleep and seeing an angel there and the glory of the Lord there, and I'm sure you'd be the same way. If you woke up from a dead sleep and suddenly there was something radiating about you in your, in your room, some great shining presence that was there, you would wonder what exactly it is. And that angel said to them, I've got tidings of great joy. He's telling them this is not a time of fear. That's the wrong emotion. That's the wrong mood. This is a time of joy. So we, we learn then that very often our moods and our emotional swings can be connected to what we hear, can be connected to news that we receive. Bad news puts a lot of people in a bad mood. Good news puts people in a good, good mood. So the scripture says good news from a far country is like cold waters that refresh the soul. Most of us like good news. If you've ever awakened in the middle of the night, two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, and the phone was ringing, if you were like my mom and dad, when you picked up the telephone, you usually didn't pick it up thinking something good had happened. People normally don't ring someone's telephone in the middle of the night unless something bad has happened. The angel of the Lord said to them, don't be afraid. We bring you good tidings of great joy. So rejoice about 
about the good news we're about to bring to you. So that, that shows you, you can change. You can change your mood. You can, you can allow Christmas to be a time where you're excited and happy and joyful, or it can be a period of sorrow. There are a lot of people who do not want to see this time of the year come. It's a reminder to them of the loss of someone. It's a reminder to them of uh, some disablement that may have came, come to them physically. It's a reminder to them of just a, a loneliness that, that may be there. But, but even the shepherds teach us in this particular story that even when you're out there and you're in the middle of your circumstance, you're going about your day-to-day -day affairs, you're working in your vocation, and you think your night is so dark and nobody's there with you, that is when God shows up. That's when he appears. That's when he comes to comfort you. No doubt these shepherds probably thought to themselves, we could use a few extra dollars. I would love to have a better home. God gives them a vision that's grand and glorious. So powerful that it stirs them down in their inner core. So you can see quite obviously that sometimes our moods and our emotions are connected to what we hear. The Bible says that a merry heart is like a, a medicine. The best thing for you sometimes is to be around people that are going to make you laugh. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes in certain seasons of your life, you have to turn away from people who do nothing but bring sorrow to you. High maintenance people. You know, when you have difficulties and you have problems and you're looking for encouragement rather than giving you encouragement, they pile their problems on top of your problems. It's even harder to deal with life then. The angel comes with a message to let them know that a Savior has been born. And he says to them, this is good news for everybody. It doesn't matter. Somebody is tall, short, thin, big, doesn't matter what ethnicity they're of. This is good news for everybody. This is good news for the one that lives in the jungles of Laos. This is good for the one in the mountains of Peru. This is good for the one that lives in the plains of Siberia. This is good for the family that still herds reindeer somewhere in Denmark. It's good news for everybody, he says. And then he tells us what the news is. He says, unto you is born a Savior in the city of David. A Savior. And then he said, this is Christ the Lord. Now there are a lot of titles there. Savior. Somebody that rescues and redeems. Someone that's like a hero, a strong one. Christ, the anointed one from the Old Testament, anointed to do strong things, miraculous things. People under the Old Testament knew that this yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointed. Priests and kings were anointed under the Old Covenant. It was a symbol of the presence of God, the Holy Spirit coming upon an individual. And this is why the Spirit of God came to Mary and Jesus was consumed, or excuse me, conceived in her womb. Scripture here says he was Lord. That means he's our master. You cannot say Jesus is your Lord unless you allow Jesus to own every corner and crevice of your heart. To say Jesus is Lord is to say I belong to him. He owns me. Well, he said this day he's born. There's the good news. That's the kind of news that should inspire people to be happy.
you have a Savior. And we're not celebrating the fact that he's now being born. We're celebrating the fact that he has been born. And we do this every year, routinely. It's on the calendar as a reminder of what Christmas is all about. I know we believe it's about lights. And we believe that it's about giving gifts to one another. And we believe it's about pretty packaging. And we believe it's about the day after Christmas sale. But let's never forget that when the wise men came to the Lord, they brought gifts to him. Have you ever did that? Celebration of Christmas? Have you ever made a special gift to the Lord just to say thank you for the blessings that he's provided you with throughout the year? The wise men did that. I guess that's why they call them wise men. Because they brought what they had to the Lord. The angel says to them, here's a sign for you. I want you to mark this out. He said, you're going to find that baby. The baby's going to be wrapped tightly in clothes. You've probably seen people overseas that carry their babies on their back sometimes. The kids are wrapped tightly. That's called swaddling. And the, 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 the uh, big, wide, strong cloths give the child a sense of security and also provide warmth. The Lord said, that'll be a sign unto you. Well, you would think, well... This day and this age, surely nearly every baby would have been dressed like that, attired like that. But obviously God gave this as a sign that would stand out as something significant. Otherwise it would have been ordinary. Swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. I've stayed in a lot of bad places in my life. I've stayed in some places where I made sure my wife wasn't with me so she didn't have to endure it with me. But we've stayed in some places together that hadn't always been so nice. But a manger, a grotto, a cave, never been in anything like that. I had Tiffany in a place one time where we were way out in the, the, the bush country and nothing but a shack out there for people to go and use as a restroom. And here was a family that was living right there in that area and that's all they had every single day. That's what they used. Well, I knew she wasn't going anywhere near it. And when I looked at the family and I gave some of the kids, when we were getting ready to leave, I gave the kids some bubble gum. They'd never had bubble gum in their life. Imagine that. First time. The kid would chew the bubble gum, take it out of his mouth, and then look at it. He couldn't believe it was so sweet. He'd stick it back in there, chew on it some more, then pull it out and look at it again. And then the other family members came, other little kids, and we gave the, the other kids some, some bubble gum. But you know what? The thing is, <clears throat> I go into situations like that, or you, you know, you visit or have been in situations like that in your lifetime, but you know as well as I do, it's only for a moment. You're going to leave and go home, and you're going to be where you're quite comfortable. But they're going to stay there in a place that for them, which may be somewhat repulsive to us, is normal. For them. 
This little baby was born in a manger, not in a palace, not in the cradle built by one of the king carpenters, but our Savior was born in a manger. And with him being born there, verse 13 says, suddenly there was praising and worshiping of God in the skies or the heavenlies. Now you would wonder, why would anybody be worshiping and praising God because the Savior's been born in a manger? Because it's not about the place where he was born. It's about the fact that he was born. That's why. The importance of his birth, not the place of his birth. Don't, don't allow... Don't allow where you work, where you live, what you drive to define who you are. You're defined by what God is doing in your life. That's the most important thing. They were praising the Lord in the heavens. He told the people down on planet Earth that were afraid. We've given you a reason to rejoice. So the praise that are taking place in the skies should be the praise that takes place on planet Earth. When we hear the same information. So do you praise God like that when you think about his birth? Or is that something you let the, the angels do? Scripture says I'm not going to let a rock cry out in my place. So don't, don't let other people do the praising for you. You worship God. You praise God out of, a, out of a joyful heart. Well, verse 15 says when those angels disappeared, that heavenly choir, when they vanished, that's when the shepherds said one to another, we need to leave now. I don't even know if they even were concerned about the sheep anymore. So let's go now. Let's go to Bethlehem. Well, that's the city of David. From 1 Samuel 16, God sent Samuel to Jesse the Bethlehemite to anoint his son. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing. See, they, they knew if the angels said this is true and they were praising God and they passed the information on to us, then this must be true because the Lord has made it known to us. It's revelation. So verse 16 says they came with haste. Notice that they came with haste. That is the question. I'm basing my question on this verse. Everything else is preliminary to this one thing. They came quickly, they came expectantly, and they found the Savior. How did you come to the Lord? Did you come quickly? Or were you dragging your feet? Did you come to the Lord the first time you heard about salvation? Or did you have to give it some considered thought? Do people have to wrestle you and fight you, drag you to church? You know, that's what some people say when they say, I used to have a drug problem. They say, my parents drugged me to church. See, yeah. yeah there are a lot of kids that have had drug problems, just different kinds of drug problems. They came with haste. They came quickly. Well, well that's my story because I, I believed it the first time I heard it and really understood it. I sat there in that little storefront church listening to that man preach from the Gospel of John, then went home, asked my mom and dad, asked my mom if there was a Bible in that house. She said there was. I took that Bible to my bedroom. I turned to that passage that man was preaching from. And from that time, I had my heart secure in the arms of the Lord. How did you come? Was it slowly? Did, did, were you an atheist and somebody had to convince you? Did God have to create circumstances in your life 
where you were forced to look nowhere but upwards. I mean, God created a series of events in your life where you were enclosed and walled in and there was nowhere for you to go but through the door God wanted you to go through. Because out here in Nebraska, in the heartland, for many people, religion is something for ladies. Yeah, a lot of men don't really want to serve God like they should. But these shepherds, these men were out there in that field. They heard the good news and they went quickly. No better way to do it. No better way to do it. How did you come to the Lord? Was it through a dream? Did God speak to you that way? Was it by radio? Did you hear something on television? Were you sitting in a bar one day and you had a mug there filled with alcohol and just as you put it to your lips, conviction came over you. Or somebody came and sat down next to you and said, you know, you really ought not drink that. Now's the time to change your life. If we think about how they came, then we can think about how we should come. Yeah, everybody has to come this way. Every child, every adult. There's nobody that's in heaven that didn't come by way of Christ. So here we have it. Scripture says, when they came, they found the baby. Now that is what we want to find, the Lord. You hear some people say sometimes, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm on a spiritual quest. I'm seeking after God. Well, if you want to find him, come to Christ. You'll find God. God's not lost. He's not looking for somebody to discover where he is. You can find him in Christ. Jesus said, he that comes to the Father first must come by me. He that has seen me, Jesus said, has seen the Father. Anybody that you come in contact with that tells you that I'm a seeker, See, I'm looking for God. I'm searching for God in different religions. You have to tell him if you want to find him, do what the shepherds did. Quickly flee to Christ. That's where you'll find him. House of bread. House of God. The city of David. And when they had seen it in verse 17, they told everybody, oh, what a good life. Wow. Can you imagine spending all of your life just telling folks about Jesus? Well, I can imagine. But think about that. Everywhere you go, you get to talk about the Lord. Well, you can do that even if you're not a pastor. I know a pastor is just another word for a shepherd. But the earliest evangelists in the Bible, they weren't all pastors. I mean, sure, the shepherds went out and told everybody. So they were evangelizing, saying, look, the Savior has been born. But let's not forget that in this same book, it tells the story of a man by the name of Simeon. He found baby Jesus in the temple on the eighth day. He said, Lord, now I'm ready to die because I've seen your Christ. Scripture says he went out, he told everybody about what he saw. Then it speaks of a woman named Anna, a prophetess. She said she came in and saw the Lord and said she ran through the streets of Jerusalem telling everybody that baby is here, that Savior has come. You don't need to be a preacher to be a good evangelist, you just simply need to be somebody that has come to Christ. And if you come to know him, and you know him really, you can let everybody around know about him. Yeah. Don't let the people in Bethlehem dwell in darkness when you have the ability to tell them he has come. He is born. Won't you also live for him?
Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you that we can look into this story and see how matchless it is. Our Savior, born in this world, Lord, in the midst of sin, that Roman Empire held a firm grip over Israel and over the surrounding nations, but yet, Lord, you brought your Son into this world of sin. So, God, we pray for our own nation. You said that we should pray for those that are in authority. So we pray for our president, the president-elect. We pray for the outgoing people in authority, the incoming people that will be in authority. God, we pray somehow you'll let your son's name be magnified in America one more time. God, you would give us pastors that would preach the word without fear and without compromise, that you would give us Christians that would stand up for what we believe, and at the same time, God, give us people in the medical field, in the teaching profession, in the legal field. Father, give us folks in the agricultural world, people that work for the city, the state, Lord, in the county that will serve you and love you with all of their heart. God, we honor you today. We bless your wonderful name. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, Amen, 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 Amen.